Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. I am worried about my future. Jeremiah 29:11 NKJV it says for I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope I read it again so that those of you who are slow catching on can follow for I know the thoughts plural that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I read NLT again. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. All right. So I'm worried about my future. I think we can all agree to some degree that almost everyone has some level of concern about their future. Now, to have no concern, not worry, no concern about your future is to be irresponsible. But worry is a different thing. So we have people on that spectrum from mildly concerned to those that are paralyzed by fear of the future. And so you have to figure out where do you fall on that spectrum. Are you in the middle somewhere? where you're worried about your future, but you can sleep at night. Or are you on the extreme where you can't even sleep? Your sleep has left you because you're worried about tomorrow. There is a spectrum. All right, there's a range. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out where I fall in that range, okay? But um, I think in some seasons of your life, more than others, you're worried about your future to a different degree, all right? For some reason, we look at situations in our lives in the present, and we extrapolate that into the future so when you're having a good season hmm, my future looks bright when you've just suffered a heartbreak <laughs> the future is very gloomy and dark right we 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 it, it kind of changes so there's a there's a spectrum and that's normal everyone has a degree of, of of concern about the future but there's also a spectrum in terms of why people are worried about the future all right number one reason why people are worried about the future is because of the fear of the unknown The main reason is the fear of the unknown. We don't do too well with uncertainty. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29 and 29 that the secret things belong to God, but the things that have been revealed belongs to us and to our children. So that means that there would always be a part (laughs) of your life that you don't know. All right? As a matter of fact, Paul says that we prophesy in parts because we know in parts. All right? And that's the reason why... um, There's been an infiltration of the spirit of divination in the church, masquerading as prophets. Let me me just call it that. All those 49.99 prophets that say, sow a seed of $49 and you get a free prophecy. Now, that's not a free prophecy if I just sowed a seed of $49. But they're rising up everywhere. The reason why is because human beings are very curious about the future. How many of you would like to know the future? Don't lie. Don't lie. Yeah, we all would like to know the future. And so because of that, because we don't know the future, we tend to worry. We tend to panic about what our future looks like. All right? We tend to panic. Another thing you need to understand is that you worry about the future because you've seen other people's experiences. 
some of us, you saw your parents at a time, things were really good for them, but now you've seen things turn, so you're worried. What, what does my future really look like? Because you also understand that the present is really no indication of the future. You're worried. You've seen people's experiences. You've observed family members, and you've seen them go through hard times. And people who are ahead of you in life, in different seasons of life, and you're like, if this is what the future looks like, I'm really concerned about it. You're worried because of that. You're worried because of your current circumstances. Another reason why. What your life look like, looks like today, it's not encouraging. The state of your life today doesn't look great. You worry about the future because of what you watch on CNN. Nobody in the past few years has ever found hope on cable network news or any news station for that matter. It's always doom and gloom and darkness. It's always the world is coming to an end. There's going to be a second, third, and fourth wave of coronavirus and apocalypse. It's always something, right? The trend of life makes you worry about the future. People talk about the good old days. So if there were the good old days, then it means that it's a really bad future. You know what I mean? The trend, you forecast that. The future. You know, you, you think about statistics. People think things like, you know, 50% of marriages end in divorce. Because we're armed with so much information right now in our generation, it gives us anxiety about the future. So you're saying 50% of marriages end in divorce, then that means the chances of me getting a divorce is 50%. I want no part of the future. You worry about the future. Responsibility. <laughs> you, you start thinking about, um, what about when I have children? You worry about the future. You worry about the future sometimes because of even the call of God on your life. God has put something in your heart and you're worried about it. How do I do it? How do I go about executing what God has put in my heart? You worry about the future. For some people, it's just about personality. Huh. These, are, these are my favorite category of people. These are the people who have no logical reason to be worried about the future. They make up stuff to worry about. You know those people like, Pastor, I really need to talk to you right now. I'm like, yeah, I'm here for you. That's why I'm here. Um, but, you know, what if when I'm crossing the street, Pastor, an orangutan just comes and bites off my face? I'm like, okay, <laughs> um, that's a leap because um, they're critically endangered to begin with. I think any orangutan right now is trying to hide. But why you? Like, I don't know. I just, I, you just make up stuff to worry about. Those are my favorite category of people. I'm like, okay, I'm worried I'll never get married. This is a classic example. Okay, why? Are your parents married? Yes. Are they happily married? Yes. Hmm. Is this your sister married? Yes. Happily married? Yes. Hmm. Where did that come from? That fear. Where did that illogical fear of the future come from? For some people, it's just personality. Something in you just holds on to the worst or even makes up stuff. Makes up stuff to be worried about. So we all have some degree of worry about the future. So let me talk to you about this for a minute, all right? Because I think it's important that we address it. You need to ask yourself two questions. The first question is, why am I worried about the future? Okay? And be honest. I'm not asking for an answer today, all right? This is not, um, it's not therapy. But ask yourself, why? Why am I worried about the future? Why is it that I'm worried about what my future would be like or look like? What is your reason? And I just gave you a few reasons, and that's not exhaustive. Where do you fall there? Is it a combination of everything? Is it just one? Is it just the fear of the unknown? Is it just your personality? Are you a warrior, as they say, as they call it? Are you um, looking at your life today, and as a result, you think that your future is not going to be good? What's the reason why? You need to answer that for yourself. That's important. First question. The second question you need to answer is this, similar but different. Why am I this worried about the future? All right, so if you're mildly concerned about the future, 
why are you mildly concerned? If you are very concerned, if you're if you're traumatized almost like paralyzed by the fear of the future, why are you this concerned about the future? You have to answer that honestly. But then the Bible says to us in Matthew chapter six that Jesus actually addresses the issue of worry in quite some detail in Matthew chapter six from verse number twenty four there about going onwards. And Jesus starts to ask the people, he's talking to them and saying, do not worry about what you will eat and what you would wear. Don't worry about what you'll put on. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. And <laughs> he doesn't just say don't worry. He actually builds a case for why you should not worry. He says things like, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, but your heavenly father takes care of them. Not even Solomon in all his splendor was as adored as or as adorned as any of those because your heavenly father takes care of them. Are you not more precious? Right? He makes a case. This is one of those places where you see Jesus. The few places, by the way, where you see Jesus actually build a case to convince people about something. Most times he just confuses them and leaves them confused. It goes away. Go figure it out. He tells them why. But when you read that chapter, Matthew 6 from verse 24 all the way to 30, 34, what you find really is this number one jesus says that your worry is futile that's one of the first the, the, the you know the core things he's trying to communicate to us that your worry is futile because he says which of you by worrying is able to add one cubit to your own stature so your your worry is completely useless and everybody knows that but yet we worry i know i hope you know that worry is useless it doesn't solve anything it doesn't it's not productive if anything it actually brings about high blood pressure uh -huh. for no reason and most times the thing about worry is when you get to the threshold and you cross you're like hmm is that what i was worried about right it's more it's amplified so jesus says to them that none of you just by worrying can add one cubit to your stature your worry is it's futile it solves nothing can you tell someone your worry solves nothing tell someone that looks very worried your worry <laughs> solves nothing the second thing that Jesus says to us in that text is that your worry is actually misplaced. Not only does it solve nothing, it's misplaced. It says, in other words, <laughs> I like this, um, because Jesus basically says that if you want to worry at all, worry about today. That's what he says, pretty much. He's like, look, tomorrow <laughs> will take care of itself, but sufficient for the day is the evil therein. Your worry is, is futile, solves nothing, but your worry is also misplaced so in matthew 6 34 he says therefore do not worry about tomorrow jesus said that to you for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble if you have to worry at all worry about today because the things you do today would affect your tomorrow so let's go to the text that we read, Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you have heard that scripture before? For I know the thoughts I think towards you. Wave at me if you've heard it before. Thoughts of peace. Very popular in all, you know, in church, in the body of Christ. But let me, let me paint a context to you because I think it's important to understand the context. That scripture says this. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They are thoughts <laughs> of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Let me tell you what's happening here. Last week, I started to talk about um, the children of Israel in Babylon. Do you remember that? You were fasting. You've lost. Okay, let me give you a brief um, refresher on that one. What happens is this. Israel, after David, after Solomon, there is a civil war, and it breaks up into two nations. 
All right. So there is the northern tribe of Israel and there is Judah. And over the years, these people, the children of Israel, stay with me. The children of Israel over the years continue in idolatry. They basically do everything that God says they should not do. They intermarry, which is forbidden for them. They farm the land continuously, which was not okay. They joined themselves to other gods. Remember Ahab and Baal? They did all kinds of atrocities. And for years, centuries actually, God keeps telling them, stop this. Stop this. In my sense, prophet after prophet to them. Remember Elijah actually says that I'm not better than my fathers because prophet after prophet were being killed by kings. Eventually though, what happens is that Israel is taken into captivity. Judah does not learn from that. They continue in their ways. And then Nebuchadnezzar comes, conquers Judah, and takes them into captivity. Stay. And what's happening is that Nebuchadnezzar is a mean guy. The guy is completely demon-possessed. Because he comes to Judah. The Bible says that when he comes to conquer Judah, he lays a siege against the nation for two years you know what a siege is i thought about siege at some point a siege is when you're surrounded nothing can go in nothing can come out it's the worst form of warfare that the enemy can institute against you and because slowly you're dying for two years he lays siege to jerusalem and after two years they run out of food supply and naturally what happens is that the city falls they come into the city they take the city the king of Judah, a guy called Zedekiah at the time, takes off. He runs. He tries to escape. Nebuchadnezzar's men catch him off. And what they do to this guy is that they allow him watch as two of his sons are executed. And then they gouge out his eyes. He was a mean dude. This is the guy, <laughs> by the way, this is one of the funniest texts in the Bible to me. Um, I remember when I read this some years ago. I remember vividly because I was at home with my siblings. And we had a great laugh because in, Neb in um, Daniel, that's where Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Remember that story? This guy had a dream, this weirdo. He calls all the wise men of his kingdom together and says to them, now, I had a dream at night. The dream troubled me. They're like, okay, that's why we're here. We interpret dreams. The guy's like, no, you don't understand. You tell me the dream I had. And then the interpretation. And they're like, look. No king has ever asked this of any magician. The guy's like, I will kill all of you. Now, <coughs> this guy is possessed. He's a madman. He's like, look, don't even, don't even try to buy time. I will kill all of you and your families if you don't tell me my dream right now. And the interpretation. What? And then Daniel steps on the scene and says, okay, hold on. Give me a minute. Let me go and ask my God. Amazing. Amazing stuff. He goes to ask God. God gives him the dream and interpretation. Then Nebuchadnezzar says there's no God. So this guy, Nebuchadnezzar, was the king who conquered Judah and took them away. Gouged out the eyes of their king and took him alive to Babylon with all the wise men, all the nobles. That's the context. Now, if you're, if you're a child, I mean, a, 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 a citizen of Judah at that time, there is only one feeling you have. It's fear and hopelessness. That's it. Because you've just seen the whole nation cut away 
by a demoniac your 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 immediate feeling is we are doomed we're in trouble and so god says to them right in the midst of that as soon as that's happened god says to them for i know the thoughts that i have towards you do you understand yeah because sometimes when we read scripture and you don't understand the context you lose the value of what's being said god is talking to them in that scenario they're literally lining up on their way out of judah following nebuchadnezzar and his armies they're all in chains and he's taking them away and god says hey by the way let me tell you this i know the thoughts i have for you they're thoughts of peace not of evil <laughs> to give you a future and a hope if anybody should have been worried about their future it's those guys because they had no clue what that man was going to do to them in babylon you literally just saw what he was capable of he did it to your king so they felt like they were deserted by god even though they caused it for themselves they felt defeated they were in fear and he said to them i know the thoughts that i think towards you i need you to know something that god is thinking about you because the bible says that i know the thoughts that means that god is thinking about you you know how if you've ever been in a long distance relationship wave your hands so if you're in a long distance relationship one of the things that happens is that you buy those cards that say thinking of you have you seen those cards before i'm i'm speaking from my affliction <laughs> from the days of my affliction okay you buy those cards that say thinking of you um and then you give the person so that while you're gone the person can remember you that kind of stuff so i just imagined in my mind that it was like god was trying to give them a thinking of you card that just keep this maybe you need to some of you right now that are worried about your future maybe on your way home stop you know shoppers or something pick up a card that says thinking of you and just put god jeremiah 29 11 put it on your dresser or something so you can remind yourself god says i'm thinking about you i'm thinking about you you're you're top of mind for me you're not out of mind or you're not out of sight nor out of mind i'm thinking about you not only am i thinking about you i have plans for you I have plans. That's what the Bible says. It says that, for I know the plans that I have for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, if you read in NLT, it says that I have plans for your life. So for one person, what you need to remember, and that might be the cure to your entire episode about worrying about your future, is that God is thinking about you. Is that God has plans for you. He is responsible. He has a role to play in your future. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that my times are in your hands, oh God. Your, ha your times are not in the hands of the enemy. Your times are in the hands of God, and he's a good God. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God is thinking about you. And for me, that's very encouraging. Because sometimes you feel like you're the only one who's thinking about your future. Right? But God says, no, I'm thinking about your future too. I'm, I'm not concerned about it because I have made plans for your future. So God has a role to play. But the thing about this is that, like most things with God, God doesn't have all the responsibility. God has a role to play. We have a role to play. So let me give you a little bit of a, um, a lesson in principles and, and laws with God. When you read the book of Genesis, how many of you have read Genesis 1? It's literally the first chapter of the Bible. For those of you who didn't raise up your hand, I'm judging you right now. All right? Genesis chapter 1 is like literally where you... Anyways, never mind. The Bible says that God says, let there be light. There was light. 
God said, you know, sun and moon, the firmaments. He built, I mean, he created fish. The sea was flooded with creatures, the birds of the air, plants, trees, all this stuff. Then the crowning creation, all right, of this episode was man. God makes man in his own image and all that stuff. So when you... I love Genesis chapter 1. I hardly teach a sermon without going to Genesis chapter 1. For some reason, it's just something I would always touch on. When you read that chapter of the Bible, it gives you an insight into the mind of God, how God works. And one thing you realize very quickly there is that God is a God of principles. What's principles? Principles are laws. Okay? For example, everything that God made, I mean everything that God made, he allowed them to sustain themselves on principles. Now, there is, you don't need a miracle for night to come because God put the sun and the moon. There's a principle at work there that allows it to continue. All right? For animals, the Bible says that God gave them the ability to reproduce. That's a principle. Um, for trees, the Bible says God gave fruit with seed. Understand? Principle. So it's not a miracle that you don't, you don't pray. You plant a seed. You don't pray, oh God. Oh, God, let the seed germinate. It's a principle. It will germinate. If you jump up, you must come down. Unless, <laughs> unless you're from somewhere else. If you can, if you can jump and keep going up, that revival will have to bring you down. Anyways, <laughs> so it's a principle. So all that God built, all that God made, he sustained by principles. That tells you then that for you and I, the primary way that we would get things done on the earth is by principles, not miracles. This is one of the biggest problems of the church today. Everybody, miracle service, full. Principle service or teaching service, empty. Who wants teaching when we can get miracles, right? Miracles are for when principles fail. So God never built you and I to sustain our lives on miracles. You, if you're always praying every day for the rest of your life, you're praying every time for a miracle in your finances, there's something wrong with you. There'll, yes, there's, there's a season where you need miracles. Don't get me wrong. But if it's a consistent thing, oh God, oh God, miracle, miracle, you, something is wrong. You've broken the principles. So let me give you an example. If a woman says, um, if a woman says, you know what? All guys are dogs. I'm just saying. You would never say that. All guys are dogs. I don't want to do any I don't want anything to do with a guy. But I want a child. So you kneel down and you start fasting for 40 days. God, make me pregnant. God, baby, I must have. Baby boy, I must born. Fast from now till the day you see Jesus. You would never be pregnant. You know why? You're looking for a miracle when you haven't worked the principle. Mm -hmm. However, if you've been trying to have a baby, maybe a spouse, husband or wife, and it hasn't worked, yeah, you can go to God and say, God, help us. That right there is the exact picture of a Christian that goes after miracles when they haven't applied principles. It can never work. Listen, if you're trying to look for a miracle um, on something that there is a principle that works for, 
that you have not i'm not saying you you've tried and it didn't work so let's assume one of the things so for example um the bible says he that does not work should not eat it's a principle if you're not working and you haven't applied for jobs and you go and start praying you will never get a job because except god gives you direction on that issue okay because you have broken the principle of god have i spoken to you so the way god works primarily on a lot of issues uh, through principles so he puts seed in the fruit so that it can reproduce you don't have to call on god for that okay principles not miracles so there is a principle then that god has put in place that helps you fulfill your responsibility to your future remember i said that god has a role to play his, your times are in his hands he said i have a plan for you i have thoughts of you know all that stuff but then there is a part that you have to play there are principles that you have to work to almost guarantee the outcome of your future do you understand what i'm saying you look confused let me give you an example the bible says this galatians 6 and 7 i believe it says do not be deceived god is not mocked Okay, whatsoever a man sows, that's what he will reap. Now, <laughs> I know we use this when we talk about money and sowing seeds and all that, but it applies to everything. Say everything, everything, anything you sow, you will reap. Yeah, you sow meanness, you you will reap meanness. You sow dishonesty, you will anything you sow. It's a principle of God. God is not mocked. Genesis 8.22. Remember these two scriptures, Galatians 7, 6, 7 and Genesis 8.22. It says that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Seed time speaks to the present. Harvest speaks to the future. Will never cease. It says day and night, summer, winter, cold and heat will never It will never cease. So that tells me that there are things that you can do today that guarantee your tomorrow. And if you do those things, you will never need to worry about tomorrow. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You don't believe me. You believe me? You believe me? Yeah, there are certain things that you need to do today that would guarantee a harvest in the future. And I'm not talking about money harvest. I'm talking about a life harvest in the future. So let me tell you 10 things you must do. Seed time and harvest time would not cease let's run through them okay 10 things that you must do god is not mocked whatever a man sows that he would reap so this is the principle of seed and seed time and harvest okay or cause and effect the first thing you must do so that you don't have to worry about your future is you need to live righteously live righteously the bible says that mark the blameless man observe the upright the future of that man is peace psalms 37 and 37 the bible says that i have been young now i'm old i have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread live righteously second thing you need to do like i said i have to run through them so i get through everything is you need to save and invest let me park my truck here for a minute i'm coming to your house now <laughs> if you're 19 years old 19 or 18 and a half almost 19 okay 
you have a job and you're wearing Yeezys, Yeezys, and you have no investments, something is wrong with you. Yeah. I'm telling you. L listen to me. Let, me. let me speak from my heart on this particular issue. If um, the things I know today, today, if I knew them when I was 18, I'll be a multimillionaire. And this is without a miracle. This is without no windfall, just by simply applying principles. Okay? Most of the worries that people have about their future are financial. Can we be real? Come on, guys. Yeah, you want to you wanna be, you know, you want to be loaded. You want to have a pool, Olympic-sized pool and all that jazz. Now, you don't need to pray for those things if you work the principles early enough. If you're here, this is a command from the Lord now coming to you. <laughs> you have a job and you don't have an investment account on Tuesday. So first of all, spend tomorrow thinking about your life. Okay? <laughs> labor day. On Tuesday, labor to the bank and say, I want to speak to an investment advisor. Speak like a big man, okay? Don't act like a poor person. Ask, tell them, look, I want to start investing. Let them advise you on what to do. I beg you in the name of Jesus. You never have to pray. If, if I, the things I'm doing now, if I knew this, like from my very first job when I was in school, if I started saving and investing, I'd be a millionaire. I would never have to pray about money for the rest of my life. But guess what? I was saying to some of my, my friends that the biggest revelation this year is that time flies. You think you have time. I closed my eyes. I opened it. I was 35. The next time I open my eyes, I'll be 50. Jesus Christ. I'm worried about my future. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Time flies. It doesn't matter if you earn $100 a month. $20, start putting it away. You think it's nothing, just watch. Save. You save to have a bit of a nest egg, a bit of an emergency fund. Once you hit that emergency target, that's the end of savings. You start investing. And I'm not telling you to save for wedding, because some of you are like, hmm, I'll save for my wedding. Listen to me. <laughs> I remember Vicky and I used to say all the time that when we got married, our first year of marriage, oh my God, uh, we were fasting, not by choice. Do you understand that metaphor? Not by, and we spent, I can't tell you how much we spent on our wedding because I'm ashamed of it now. And I, I, I was saying, if they just given us that money, if they had just given us that money. So you, you have this fairy tale wedding. One day, you consume the food, it's gone. Then the next week, you call your new hobby and say, hobby, uh, <laughs> can God download funds into the account? No. You don't need to look for money. You don't need to worry about money ever. And I'm not saying you're rich. I'm not saying you have a $500,000. I'm saying even if you earn forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year, you can live your life in a way that you would never need to worry about money for the rest of your days. It is foolery. When young people, uh, you blow everything you have. A day is coming when you wish you knew better. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't do it now, you will definitely worry about your future when you get there. Because what I'm telling you is something I wish someone told me when I was your age. Every single person. If you're a member of this church or you're visiting, God bless you visitors, go on Tuesday and set up an investment account. As your paycheck is coming into your account, if you know you don't have the discipline, before the paycheck comes, let it go to the investment account. 
that's what i do i so i have no power to influence it at all i have no power whatever is left is what's left it's as if it never came am i speaking to you do it now now tomorrow it's better for you you will never need to pray about money and all these half of the prayer points we pray about in church are not necessary because if you work the principles they work if you if your parents are still supporting you and you have a job you're even lucky invest all your money all of it the days come in i'm telling you where you wish that you had done better save and invest start early start early seed time and harvest If you're married, okay, if you're married, live on one income. Save all the rest. Invest all the rest. Try as much as you can. There is no magic. Don't, don't go to God and start saying overnight breakthrough. God doesn't work that way. Unbelievers that work the principles prosper. Have you not <laughs> are you not aware? They prosper. Okay? Don't forget, God is a just God. Mm. So don't think that because you shout hallelujah seven times in church, he will take you from the back of the line, throw you to the front. If, you haven't, if you've worked the principles and you've made mistakes, that's where miracles come in. That's where restoration comes in. You've made mistakes, you invested money, the thing went bad, all those things. Okay, then you shout to God. But you've never invested everything that comes your way, you eat. As a matter of fact, that's what Joseph did in Egypt. 20% of the income for the land of plenty, for the years of plenty, he invested. So if you can invest 20%, that's a biblical principle. Do it. It's a bare minimum. Do it. Don't spend your money on Kaisis or whatever you guys call it now. Nobody cares what you wear, by the way. I hope you've realized nobody cares. You're just wasting your time. Number three intellectual investment seed time and harvest invest in your mind they say it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert at anything invest in your mind if you're whatever your your area of study wherever your area of um practice or whatever you call it whatever it is that you're doing in life whatever you're doing music invest one hour a day read something that contributes to what you're doing um invest intellectually there's a difference the day you show up before a king Kings look for excellence. Kings don't look for mediocrity. Read your Bible, okay? Invest intellectually. Number four, seed time and harvest. Healthy habits, okay? Healthy habits. If you have a family history of high blood pressure, for example, don't be the person that orders a triple cheese whopper with extra cheese, a large fry, and diet coke. You know, <laughs> you know that combination: large fry, large extra cheese, and then diet coke. As if that's gonna save you from the day of trouble. Listen to me: if you have genetic issues in your family, make wise choices today. Healthy habits, healthy habits. Laugh. That's a good habit. The Bible says a merry heart good does good like a medicine. Don't hang around people that get you depressed. Hang around people that make you laugh. Healthy habits, healthy habits. Trust me. Seed time and harvest time will not cease. Those burgers are going to come home one day to ask you questions. I'm telling you, just saying, stop praying about things that God has put principle. Number five, generosity. The Bible says that he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. God would always pay his debts, like a Lannister, or better than a Lannister. None of you, all of you get that. 
anyways generosity he that gives to the poor lends to the lord if you invest all your money and you don't give anything it's likely that poverty will still come upon you so don't be stingy because i have to balance that some of you now say ah all my money <laughs> but i'm not paying tight again <laughs> listen to me <laughs> i beg you in the name of jesus christ don't do that to the lord and don't do it to yourself <laughs> generosity okay look for people that need stuff and be a blessing everybody who lives in canada no matter how poor you are in canada let me not say no matter how poor but most of us can be a big blessing to people who live in other countries a little thing goes a long way a long way i'm telling you a long way the, se the times, the seasons of your life where you have more than you need, more than you need, not more than you want, it means that God is calling you to more generosity. Okay? Live a generous life. The Bible says if you cast your bread upon the waters, you will find it many days after. Don't withhold. The Bible says he that withholds tends to poverty. Be kind and be good to people. Be generous. Be generous. One of the things that um, you know, I, I've, I've come to learn and understand is that the seasons where I have more than I need, it's, it's a scatter. That's what it is. I mean, we <laughs> as a church, we do the same thing. You know, we do, we, this season we've just come out of as a church, we've done so much. Why? It's for the future. Anybody who plants a grain of corn and comes tomorrow to look for the harvest is a, a crook. Yeah, it's for the future. So be generous to people. And something else you need to understand about generosity is that when you're generous to people, God himself opens other channels to you. I can't explain it. God himself, when you, when you commit yourself to helping other people, to giving to the poor, to you know, supporting the kingdom of God, God opens channels to you. It's extremely important. Okay? Um, I'll give you a testimony. I remember <laughs> it's a testimony, but it's a sad one. Good and bad. I remember when COVID hit um, and things kind of went bad. You know, economy, general, globally, everybody was panicking. One of the things that happened is that the Lord told me to buy a particular stock. Now, I'm not a stock broker. I'm not a stock guy. Okay. I've never bought a stock in that manner before, except through maybe like a company program or something. But God told me a random stock, random, buy this stock. I remember some one day we sat at home with our siblings um, and I was saying to them that, oh, even if I had, if I had, you know, multiple houses now, I'll sell all of them and I'll buy stocks. I was just speaking from what I felt God was saying I should do. So I took the little change I had, not a lot of money, not a lot, no, no, I mean change, and put it in there, in that stock. Tell me that Within eight weeks, that stock doubled. It doub I didn't even know because I wasn't watching it. One day, I just felt like, let me check this thing out. I checked it. I saw that it had actually gone like 2.5 times and it had come back down to like 1.7. So I was like, ah, thank you, Jesus. Sell this thing. Give my money now. And God said, wait. I waited. And the next day, I checked it again. It was now two times. So I sold it immediately. Now, this is the bad part. Number one. Obviously, God was concerned about my finances. Otherwise, he wouldn't tell me that. Um, it's, the, it's, 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 the, it's God's response to certain seeds that have been sown in the past. But that's not the point. The part that made me angry 
was that if I had a million dollars, <laughs> do you get what I'm trying to say? That thing I'm telling you guys to do, if I had done it and I'd just taken a million dollars and bought that stock, I would have made a million dollars in six weeks. Tell me the job. I'll just be retired. I'll just be, <laughs> just see me praying all over Ottawa and <laughs> say, hi guys, hi, um, you know, the Lord is reviving the city. Because you don't need to do that. Be generous. God, God, there is supernatural finances. The, the kids unlock that is generosity. That's what I'm trying to say to you. All right? Generosity. Savings are for the day of opportunity. People think that you save for a rainy day. No. You save for the day of opportunity. All right? Anyways, that's it. Moving on. What number are we now? Number five was what? Generosity, good deeds. Okay, number six. Pray. Pray about your future. Um... Pray about your future. Today, now, is the time to pray about your future. When you get to the future and you start praying about it, it's too late. Okay? That's how prayer works. You pray, you pray in advance. It's like planting, like I said. Seed time and harvest. When you pray and you need an answer right away, you're, then you're looking for a miracle. And that would happen. You would get there. But you can load your clouds way into the future with prayer. Pray through your future. Pray through. I remember, you know, I remember when I said to you guys, when I first moved to Canada, my first year where I couldn't work, I prayed that year because I wasn't working. So I had opportunity to pray a lot. Mm. Three o'clock in the morning, you just stand up. <laughs> okay, you say, where are you going? I'm going to pray. I just hit the streets. We used to live in Brampton then. And I'll just be walking and praying for hours. Now, I believe that those prayers that I prayed, they're not working. Now, I need to pray for the future. Do you understand? You have today. Don't wait <laughs> till you get there and start praying. It's late. Seed time on harvest time. Pray. Before our children were born, we prayed about their lives i still do it prayed you will know the lord the lord will know you yeah <laughs> you know there's a difference between the god knowing you okay you will know the lord you will be a kind-hearted child details before one monster shows up in my house and i'm trying to figure out hey where did this what you pray into your future you have to do that seed time and harvest the bible says it will not cease I still do it. I lay my hands on my kids every other day. And I pray in tongues now. I'm sure my kids are like, this man is a weirdo. Just say amen. Okay? It's their future. Do you understand? Your future. Pray about it. The Bible says that when you pray, actually the Bible says that be anxious for nothing. Okay? Philippians. But in all things, with prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. Then he says, and the peace of God. That passes all understanding will guard your heart. One of the things that prayer does for you, it gives you peace. You won't worry about the future too much if you've prayed about the future. If you're not praying about your future, you definitely should be worried about your future. Definitely you should be. Pray about it. Bring it before God. If you're not married yet, you're in your first year of university, start praying about the job you want when you graduate. Yeah, this is when you do that. You lock all that stuff down. So before the devil shows up, you know you've already tied his hands and legs. Right? If you're not married, start praying about the man you want to marry today. Before a monster shows up in your house, 
All right? Pray. Pray. It's very important. Even if you're not married, you're a lady, lay your hands on your belly. Start praying about your children. Pray into the future so you don't have to pray then. You know, someone says pray so that you will not pray. Very critical. Pray. Another thing you must do, number seven, is you must speak into your future. Because there's a difference between prayer and speaking. Many people pray and speak wrong. You can pray just now and say, oh God, it's going to be well with me in Jesus' name. And everything you say is negative. It's not the same thing. You must speak into the future. The Bible says that words are like seeds. All right? Look at yourself in the mirror and say, it's going to be well with me. I would have a great future. There's peace in my future. I'll be healthy. All my fears, none of them will crystallize in Jesus' name. All right? Number eight, align yourself with God's purpose. Align yourself with God's purpose. One of the things that that does for you is that it guarantees you that God is with you. And that God is invested. Just stay the path. Once you find yourself outside of God's purpose, you're at risk. When you find yourself in God's purpose, there are challenges there, but God is with you. You are safest there. No matter what it looks like, you are safest there. Number nine. Honor all men. Seed time and harvest. Honor all men man despise no one one of the things that god does and this would happen to everybody i mean everybody is that someone whom you were in the position to help in the past in the future will be in a position to help you if you've been mean to someone if you've despised someone the day is coming the day of reckoning is coming you would see the tables turn so you need to honor all men. Despise no one. No one. Imagine those who despise David. His family. He wasn't reckoned with. Despise no one. Remember Joseph? He was at the mercy of his brothers and they treated him badly. The tables turned. The tables turned. God doesn't do it to humiliate you. It's a principle. The people who, some people, at least one person whom you've had within your power the ability to help that person and you didn't you didn't do the right thing at that season there'll be a season when that person would hold the key to something critical to your destiny i pray that you won't find yourself wanting in jesus name and number 10 avoid costly mistakes some mistakes are avoidable i remember you know back then those days when i went to school We go out, you know, party days and all that. I had friends that we left the party together and they never got home because they left drunk and they drove. Costly mistakes. I have friends that we went to school together. There was a particular guy who was in my undergrad. He was a year behind me or so. Chemical engineering. And he was a 4.0 student. What means that he's never had a B. He was in his third year. 4.0 from a very poor family he had been to the embassy three times before he finally got his visa to come to the u.s for school and one day he joined a, another guy to do some kind of credit card fraud and they caught him and the other guy went free once once the first time he tried it and he went to jail and then was deported avoid costly mistakes 
don't put yourself in a position that there is no real upside <laughs> when you think about it and a lot of downside if things go bad okay don't get pregnant don't get somebody pregnant it's, it's better for you don't ruin your credit when you come to Canada they'll start sending you credit cards tell you you've just qualified for ten thousand dollars and you think it's a testimony it is the opposite of a testimony okay you need to throw it away if you don't have the discipline on how to use it don't ruin your credit don't ruin your credit i'm not judging you if you've been there because i've made a lot of mistakes in my life and that's why i can speak to you about it. it's the things i wish i knew i'm like oh i wish i didn't do that avoid costly mistakes don't join yourself to people that are going nowhere you would look like your friends whether you like it or not okay you would god has a role to play he's thinking about you he has a plan for you he has sent you that card okay go make your card put that home but there are principles that god needs you to work so that you don't have to worry too much about the future if you do those things i'm sure there's more you'll be fine the future will be fine and even when the challenges come when the enemy throws challenges against you even after you've done all the principles then god that has a plan for your life he's obligated to step in he's obligated to step in but you cannot be that woman who says i don't want a man and he's praying for a child don't try to work miracles if you haven't done the principles it will not work it will not work my prayer for you is that it will be well with your future in the name of Jesus. I pray that peace would be in your future. In the name of Jesus. If you sow good seeds, you have a good future. If you sow bad seeds, you reap that. If you sow no seeds, you have no future. I pray that your future will be bright. In the name of Jesus Christ. Go and take action today. Where you need to take action. Best decision you can make for your future, obviously, is that you follow the Lord. You surrender to his will. You give your heart to Jesus. It's the best decision I've ever made. Ever made in my life. Because you can take everything away. Give me Jesus. I'm fine. I would rebuild everything. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.